Hello and welcome to Media MD, your fortnightly Doof Network dose of media that you have somehow missed. I'm Ruben Morehouse. And I'm Elliot Diebold. And this fortnight we are back to talk about Dairy Girls, which I prescribed to you last fortnight. Um, yeah. What'd you think? Yeah, uh, I, I really like this. Um, I, there's not so much a plot to sum, summarise, like the plot is, well there's not really, it's a sitcom, so it's more about the setting. Yeah. Uh, and the setting, as we sort of touched on in the prescription, is... There's a group of girls living in Derry, yep. in Ireland, uh, during the Troubles. Uh, mm-hmm. And basically, yeah, there's the backdrop of all this like horrible shit that went down in Ireland uh, back then. Uh, Especially in Derry. Yeah, uh, surrounding uh, basically a bunch of girls and, and kind of their family as well, um, just mm. trying to do their thing. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's really it. You know, they're, they're Catholic uh, high school girls, so that, you know, they spend a lot of time at school um, and... I mostly bring that up so we can just start talking about uh, Sister Michael, the the nun who runs the school. Sister Michael is a great a great character. Um, yeah, her, her like a lack of ability to give a fuck about anything is well one of my favorite things in the show. It's no, pretty good because it's, it's not quite that. She she seems to actually quite a lot care about the welfare of the students. She just doesn't seem to care about like the rigmarole of the institution of education i guess is how yeah, I put true. it um <laughs> like there are a few times there's an episode uh oh you've actually called it out it's season two episode two um where they where they have this new teacher that they all kind of fall in love with and then the teacher leaves and sister michael kind of protects them a bit and is actually kind of gentler than you would expect about her leaving because she can kind of see that they've had that she's had a big impact on these girls and yeah, I don't know. There's just yeah. these moments through there where she's kind of like, she actually does care about their welfare. She just is such a, <laughs> I don't know. She just doesn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think a better description is that she has zero tolerance for bullshit. Yeah, um, yeah. It, 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 and, and that's bullshit of any flavor. I mean, she has so many good one-liners. There's like a talent show at the school in one episode, <laughs> and after some girls sing a song, she gets up to introduce the next person and mentions that. Um, you know, hearing these songs at the school talent show really makes her appreciate how talented the actual artists were. My favourite joke of hers is later on in that same episode, she comes on and she's saying, obviously, to the principal in the wings, I'm not doing I it won't again do this, this again. year, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's fucking classic. Yeah, no, she's great. Um, and she really... Uh, she and also the main character, Erin's mother, are kind of the two people that cut through the bullshit of the main characters the most, and I think they have mm, a very mm. uh, important role to play, because the main characters bullshit a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, yeah, I agree. Well, so so let's move on. So there's a, basically, the show really revolves around a clique of five girls. Yeah. Uh, I, I have no corrections to make to that statement. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I'll let that fly, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we have Erin, um, and I mean, you mentioned, you compared this to The Inbetweeners mm. two weeks ago, and mm. I think it's impossible not to compare it to the in between. Yes, especially Even because, though... like, I, I know it's a different show, but the kind of the the one sentence summaries of each of the main characters yeah. is shared between the two shows in a very interesting way. But they they definitely yeah, have like a, the yeah sorry yeah the humor is very different for stars yeah yeah, um, yeah so I I don't know I, but in saying that I think Aaron Aaron is definitely the point. So Aaron is the the sort of main character of the show, mm-hmm. and she is definitely the point where I would say. She should be compared to whatever the name of the main guy is in the Inbetweeners, because they're basically the same character. Like, mm-hmm. uh, 
which is kind of somebody who thinks they're this misunderstood, very nice, genius person, but actually yeah. they're just kind of a selfish asshole. Yes, um, yes. Like that, I think that applies to Aaron and the guy from The Inbetweeners. So they're definitely, they were a very close match to me, and I didn't particularly like her the same way I didn't like the guy in The Inbetweeners. It's interesting. So, I, I actually found Aaron's character grew on me a lot more, because... Uh, her character is basically defined by she will almost always make the wrong decision, at least for the first <laughs> half of the episode, and then she kind of realizes that she's fucked up. Um, and there are a few episodes where you you do kind of see some moments of her growth. I mean, you know, she's she's what fifteen or sixteen, right? So so mm. you, you mm. kind of can't be too hard on her for doing things like putting a, a boy above her friends sometimes, stuff like that. Um, no, it's classic. Um... I mean, you know, there's a reason it's a trope. It's because it's pretty realistic. Um, yeah. Dumb teenagers do dumb things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, it's interesting. I sort of had the opposite. I really liked her at the start of the show. And the more I watched, the more I was just like, oh, Aaron, like, start to get frustrated with, with <laughs> yeah. the repetition, um, which, you know, uh, it, it's just sort of, I think she's an important character to have in the show, though. Like, I think there's a reason that this basically same character exists in both of these shows because mm-hmm. it's pretty valuable to have. Um so, so before we move on to the next character, one thing we talked about briefly on Facebook is is uh you asked me which one of my uh or which one of the girls was my favorite. Yeah, and you sort of said that everyone has the same answer. Um, yes. Do you want me to so tell mine, you what the answer is, or? Well, I'll tell you mine first. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to make sure everyone everyone knows why why I why I'm putting so much weight on saying this. Like Orla by a long way was was my favorite. That's the one that everybody. I mean, Orla's my favorite <laughs> as well. She's an incredible yeah. character. Um, <laughs> She is so full of heart and so, so... Uh, naive. Naive, yes, I guess is the nicer <laughs> way of putting it. Um, to the point that, I don't know if you noticed this, but there are sometimes parts of the show where she'll just be facing the wrong direction. <laughs> yes, I did notice that. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a hilarious joke that doesn't really get called out that much, but there'll be like school assemblies and stuff where she'll be kind of off to the side of a group shot, just facing away from the stage. And sometimes yep. the character will turn her around and sometimes she'll just be standing there facing completely the wrong direction. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I love her so much. Yeah, she's she's the ultimate space cadet. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, I mean, they do some really fun things with her. The I think the highlight for me is the first episode of season two, uh, where they go on the the camp to meet the Protestant boys, mm. and she goes full like nature girl, yeah, and is like telling telling guys to bury their shit as a flotation device. Yeah, it's, so um, the bears don't get hilarious. them. Yeah, no, it's good uh, stuff. The wolves. It's Sorry, wolves. wolves. My mistake. <laughs> um, there's also a plot line where she. I don't mean. Okay, have people what? If you haven't watched the show. Go watch, Go watch it. it. Yeah. Like, it's on Netflix. <laughs> There's only two seasons, and they're at, like, six episodes each. It's not a big-time commitment, and you'll you'll no. regret not watching it. Um, I actually watched this, like, one and a half times in the two weeks, because I watched it all by myself, and uh, some, some of my family members were with me as I was watching some of the last ones, and they fell in love with some of the final episodes, so they just went back to the start, and I was like... Yeah, I'm still feeling it. <laughs> yeah, just, totally. I'll, I'll go again. Um, I Actually, something I noticed on my... I think this is my third watch through of the show now. <laughs> um, I actually was surprised. I think the first two episodes are among the slowest of the entire show. Um, mm. And I, I don't know. I think, it, I think it really picks up and they kind of settle into the group dynamics a lot more. But the first two episodes, they just don't seem to be as funny as the other ones. I don't know what it is. Um, no, it... And- and because it did take me a while like when i sat down i think the first i watched the first three episodes sort of in one night Mm. um and like yeah i didn't get super into them and i think it was partly that like it's any 
any sitcom has like a bit of teething. Um, well, yeah, but then the third episode is the one where with the dog, the dog and the miracles. Yeah. And that was to me like, <laughs> that's the episode where I'm like, okay, this show is actually like really fucking funny. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. I, and I think part of it is, I, I think I went in expecting the wrong thing. Like, I don't know, mm. I think I was expecting something crasser. I mean, um, it is kind of crass. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's not I, like I overly crass, but. No, and I think I think that's a problem. The 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 comparisons to the in between it sort of had me thinking that it was going to be all uh like shock jokes. Like you know, the in between is yeah, basically true. built around just trying to appall you as much as possible. Yeah, and I, I sort of thought that's what I was getting into. So I think like there was just that dissonance between my expectations and what I got. That to be fair, took me a few episodes to get over. To be fair, I did say like the in between is but good. And that's that's <laughs> yeah. the other part of that uh, that you missed. That's my that's my fault for not interpreting exactly. Um, that exactly right. Yeah, that was a pretty uh, clear definition. I would I think. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so just to quickly round off the rest of the characters, we have Claire, who mm-hmm. um, is is hilarious. I mean, I think my honestly my complaint here would be they have they have an episode where she comes out as as gay, mm. and that's the finale Aaron, of season one. Yeah, and and Aaron is like really shit about yes, it. Yes, Aaron reacts very poorly to this. And then they they sort of make up, but Aaron doesn't actually have to apologize or anything. Like, mm. I don't know, it really rubbed me the wrong way that Aaron kind of gets out of it scot-free. Like, Aaron mm. feels bad. Like, Aaron was feeling all the right things and saying the right things to her parents and was kind of ready to make the apology. But then she doesn't actually have to do it. And uh, I don't know. That's, mm. that's such a weird complaint, but I was just like, it just felt really hollow to me the way Claire's sort of coming out to Aaron was just sort of brushed over. Mm. Um and they became best friends again. Yeah, I agree with that. But I kind of also, like, the vibe that I get is Aaron and Claire, and to a lesser extent, Michelle and Orla, are such close friends. And it kind of feels like they, it feels like a, that situation that kind of happens in high school where for Aaron and Orla, obviously they're cousins, and then Claire and Michelle live very close by. And so it's just kind of like, well, of course they have to be friends. And that's where their friendship has kind of come from. Um, because I think there are numerous times where they actually don't, get along with each other but they just kind of <laughs> default to being friends with each other because i guess they don't think anyone else in their school would really handle them as friends which i think is probably an accurate read by the group yeah oh i definitely by the end of the show though you really feel how close they are like the way they stick up for each other the way they yeah. even start to stick up for james later yes, um, what a surprise let's 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 just go to james so james yeah. is the cousin of michelle the other girl we haven't talked about michelle is basically just like the the renegade one who's drunk all the mm. time and just trying well, to have sex she, with anything that moves. I think she she likes to think that she is like an adult and like likes to party, mm. but she's actually not that much like that. She's just a little <laughs> bit of a like doesn't really know how to handle herself in the adult world. Yeah, basically. Um, so I mean, uh, she's a fairly simple character, really. Like she's got a bit. It's a really funny bit, um, and they just kind of have stuck to it. I don't really think there's too much to talk about with her. Mm. Uh, like she's she's great, but it's simple. Although um, I have to say, I have to say, Michelle has one of my favorite jokes in the entire show, um, which is I think it's towards the start of season two where uh, they're all talking about how now they have two gay people in the group because a running joke is that everyone thinks James is gay. Um, yeah. And Michelle says to James, oh, I couldn't see outside of that big closet you're in. And it's an okay joke, but then she sells it by doing this little thing where the character or actress, I'm not really sure that's how great the acting is here. <laughs> she does a little smirk and a giggle and looks at him out of the corner of her eye, and it's the most natural, best piece of acting I've ever seen in my life. It's hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I could see that being breaking 
breaking character, but it was so good they just kept it. Like um, breaking character, but as the character. I, I don't even know how to describe it. No, it, well, it may have been off script. It may have been sort of breaking character, but it just coincidentally worked yeah. in the character. Yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, so James is Michelle's cousin. Uh, and he was raised in England uh, and has had to come back to Derry because his mum has abandoned him. Yeah. Uh, and basically because he's British, um, I mean, everyone just fucking hates him. And so he has to go to this all-girls school uh, because they were too worried he was going to get beaten up in the boys' school. And he only gets mm-hmm. bullied a little bit at the girls' school. <laughs> I um, mean, but yeah. He, he, well, he gets bullied quite extensively, but you, you get the impression it would be worse at a, at a boys' yeah, school. Yeah, um, sure. I... Yeah, I mean, I, I just love everything about it. the concept, the execution of James. It's, yeah. it's so good. Um, it it consistently is one of the funniest things in the show for me. Yeah, no, he is a great, he is a great character, isn't he? And he's so, he's so like trodden upon by literally everybody else. <laughs> you kind of feel bad for him, but also he kind of just, he seems to be like kind of okay with the place that he's ended up and just happy to kind of ride it out. <laughs> Yeah, sometimes he sort of rages at them, but a lot of the time he's just kind of exasperated. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's great. And then obviously it's very heartwarming in the season two finale when the group actually sort of admits that they really like having him around. Yeah. Uh, even though they shit on him all the time. Um, There's also these moments in the season one finale where Claire has kind of, after Aaron and Claire have their falling out, James completely sides with Claire. And you get these moments of like, they're actually quite close friends and there's a lot of solidarity there in a very interesting mm. way that i quite liked well because claire's the only other nice one <laughs> yeah exactly um, <laughs> uh yeah i mean i think i think my favorite james one was again probably that one where they go to the protestant camp mm. and he tries to get in with the lads um and it's just <laughs> yeah like the I, i've forgotten the actor's name but he he nailed it like playing a guy who is like socially inept trying to be one of the cool guys he just yeah. he nailed it it was it was so fun to watch yeah i all the cast is incredible honestly i can't think of a single ca- uh, act actor or actress in this tv show who doesn't do an excellent job with what they're given no that's that's absolutely true um and and yeah um i mean i guess so sort of sort of talking about all of them like one thing i wanted to bring it back to with this whole group is uh, we already touched on season two, episode two, which is basically a riff on uh, Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I love the opening to this episode is the new teacher who is kind of like an asshole version of Robin Williams. Mm. Um, she reads out all of the poems that, that they've written for this homework assignment. And what I love is this This was one of the first points where I felt like the show was so confident in you already knowing the characters that it just goes through all of their poems very rapid fire and you get to see all their reactions. And so it's like it doesn't have to explicitly call out exactly who wrote it or why. It's just sort of, it, it's just read out and you're just like, oh, yeah, that's Claire. And then it'll cut to like Claire looking embarrassed. And um, <laughs> yeah, like that, that was one of the points for me where the show was just like, okay, we've established these characters and now we're just going to have this one scene that just delivers on what you already know about them yeah yeah definitely yeah it, it's good that's yeah i don't know i mean it is like it's a character driven comedy and so i kind of just want to talk about all the great characters that exist um big yeah. love to jenny joyce who is the antagonist of yeah. the show more than anything um yeah i mean she's a she's just like the nanette nanwa type character yeah, exactly um, wait, is uh, anyone gonna very... get that reference yeah good point um you know you know how every high school set show has the the rich 
kid who's good at everything and everyone hates them. It's that. And she's like, also like very kind of follows the rules and stuff, which also yeah. grinds the gears of the Dairy Girls. <laughs> the line where Sister Michael tells Jenny Joyce, you, wait, after Jenny Joyce dobs them in for something, and Sister Michael's like, you will go far, Jenny, but you will not be liked. Yeah. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, uh, so then uh, Aaron is the main character uh, and who lives with Orla. Like, her family's quite well established and mm. have their own episodes where they're basically, like, sort of got B-plots. Yeah, they're um, often the B-plot of the show will be their parents and, and you know, the granddad. Yeah, it's, it's mostly Aaron's parents, or Aaron and Orla's uh, parents. So, uh, I mean, we've got, like, Mary, who we touched on, that's Aaron's mum, mm. uh, and she's usually a straight shooter, but she's got her own quirks, as, yeah. as all of them do. Uh, I like Sarah, who's Ola's mum, who's just kind of just as on her own planet as Ola, but in yeah. a very much more shallow way. Yeah, basically. Yeah, I, um, I think Mary and Sarah have some a really great dynamic, as do Erin mm. and Ola. Like that, you can really feel the dynamics of the adults and the children <laughs> mirroring each other in interesting ways. I, you can totally see Aaron and Ola growing up into, like, very similar people <laughs> yeah. to Mary and Sarah. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Um, and then, I mean, the only other people to talk about, really, is, like, Jerry and Joe, who's mm. Aaron's dad and grandpa. And mm. I, I don't have too much to say here. Again, this is sort of one joke that is just repeated over the two seasons. Well, it started in their to dynamic, on me. yes. So, yeah. it's Well, that's the thing. I think 90% of both of what these two do is interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Like, like, really, I'd say 90% of Jerry and Joe's scenes is, is them, or their lines, is them sort of interacting with each other. Mm. Like, the joke was very funny, but started to wear on me a bit. I hope in season three they maybe try to do something different with it, because by the end I was starting to get a little bit sick of, um, like, Joe just shits on Jerry, regardless of how fair it is. Yeah, I, I agree that that joke has probably worn a little thin. I actually quite like Jerry as a character. I feel like he... He bounces off all the other characters in really interesting ways. Um, I, I never think he... He doesn't really ever take front and centre, except there's one episode where he kind of does, which is when a, uh, a, a, a Irish freedom fighter like hops into the boot of their car as they're going on a road trip, and they, the family has to deal with whether they should try and smuggle this guy across the border or not. Um, <laughs> I think that's a great episode that kind of showcases Jerry's interestingness as a character. It's just kind of the... Kind of like the James of the adults, really. He's the, he's quite sensible <laughs> and he's always kind of trying to do the right thing, but he never really gets credit for actually holding it all together. Oh, him as the James is so perfect. <laughs> um, I really like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah ab- absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'd just be interested exactly. I think they need to change up the Jerry and Joe dynamic somewhat in season three so it lets them separate from each other. Or do something different with each other, but allow them to interact with everyone else. Because I agree, like it kind of feels like they're both a bit underused uh, everywhere else. Mm. Um, but yeah, so I mean that's basically all all the characters, you know, really who are you know recurring at least. Mm. Um, I mean, I think the other thing I really want to talk about is is the setting. Because mm. um, so obviously, like at first, like after a few episodes, I had I had the notes written down that was basically like. I don't really see why this is set in Derry. I was kind of like, it just kind of seems like a weird hook. It was like, oh, it's, you know, a teenage sitcom, but in Ireland during the Troubles. Mm. And um, then, like, the the more I watched, the more it started to click with me that they're just doing something quite subtle and, and, and a bit, cl- like, more clever than that. Whereas, mm. which is like, it's the backdrop. The Derry, Derry is the backdrop. And there's all this really horrible stuff going on and like it's in their lives you know like there's so many episodes 
or little plots that revolve around the bus being stopped by the military to get checked for bombs. Yeah, I I think the very first thing that happens in the show is uh, a bridge is closed due to a bomb threat and the characters are all complaining about how, like, oh, now it's going to take me half an hour extra to go and get my hair done and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. The whole, I think the whole conceit of it is they take these things and try and... It's the backdrop that causes, you know, events in these characters' lives to just be slightly changed. Yeah, but like, like what I sort of started to notice is the message of the series, I think, is just sort of that, like, people are just people and it doesn't really matter where you're from or who you are. And yeah. I think that's really well encapsulated by the way they use the Troubles in Derry because, it, like, like, what I started to notice the series was going on is it was always causing things. But again, it's like, oh, a bomb went off. It's like, that's going to affect, you know, my, my appointment to get my nails done or... Um, yeah. Uh, you know when the girls have a suitcase full of vodka and they don't want to admit what it is so they say they don't own the suitcase and then the bomb squad gets called in yeah uh and, and it's just sort of it, it it's used as a way to kind of what it highlights is that even with all this terrible shit going on at the end of the day people are still people yeah um, I, 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 could see, I guess i could see a criticism of the show saying that like the, the character's uh drama is small in comparison but i think that's kind of the point of the show right exactly that, yeah like these are people that are living their lives and regardless of the situation, you'll find things like this. You'll find people who are just kind of living their, living their lives. And these kids who are having what is a, you know, a very relatable experience to even to us who are boys who grew up in, in the mid two thousands or whatever in Mm. Australia, right? Like it's, it's, it's very kind of universally, uh, universally relatable which i like yeah and, and in fact like uh, when we're looking at it through that lens because obviously like i think it, it, it's really good that they did it this way because with with something as like horrible as the troubles and all that it'd be very easy to like treat something like this poorly in mm. particular in a comedy and mm. and sort of do it in bad taste but i and i i did not get that impression at all from this show and i think part of that is because if the message of the show is always sort of, you know, people are just people and, and just be yourself and we're not all that different, you know, the troubles in Ireland is is possibly a great setting for that because externally for a lot of people, like it did just seem like it was a very tribal, like sort of, sort of fight, you know, like really all that separated these people was the religion they were born into. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think one of the reasons it works so well is, is the creator of the show, uh, Lisa McGee is, you know, yeah. But this is kind of semi autobiographical, I guess. Uh, she grew up in in London, Derry, in Derry, and um, and and while <laughs> I don't think any of these things actually happened, uh, she said that they <laughs> were like, this is what would have happened if she, if her life was a TV show. Basically, the seeds of the ideas then got spiraled out of out of control in the show, as as uh, as things do in TV shows. <laughs> um, yeah. 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 Exactly. I've, I've, I think, uh, honestly, there's, uh, from what I've read, at least, of people's reactions, there's a lot of stuff that we just aren't going to get about the show, because there's some things in it that I've read are just, like, so, so perfectly relatable to people who have had this exact experience of growing up yeah. in Derry in, you know, the 90s or m- mid-90s, um, and, but even without that, it's still such a great show. Like, I love it. It's so good. Yeah, no, exactly. I definitely got the impression that some of it was going over my head. Yes. Uh, and, it, like, it didn't bother me, really. Like, it was sort of like, oh, okay, I, I think I think that's something I don't get. Or, yeah, there were probably ones I didn't even notice I was missing. But there's enough of, like, again, because the core of the show is just people are people, um, you know, be yourself or whatever it's yeah. um you don't need that context to just appreciate it and i think dairy is a perfect place to have a show with that sort of message yeah um 
yeah so so actually yeah i, I sort of swung around at the again from the start of being like oh i don't really understand why it's here too like oh i like this is really clever what they're doing mm. and um you know season two I'm, I'm not too familiar with the timeline of, of the troubles and all that but i i the way season two ends it seems to imply that season three is going to be set in a time period where they're trying to reconcile more which mm. should be might provide an interesting catalyst for change in the show like i'm excited yeah. to see what they do there yeah definitely um, now, before we wrap up the thoughts on this, I, I want to ask you a question because all these characters are what sixteen years old. I, I want to ask you, how do you think the actress who plays Claire is? Oh, um, I don't know. I would have assumed she'd be like, oh, I would have said sixteen to eighteen. See, maybe, this is maybe all the way to up me. to twenty. Yeah. So most of the characters who play most of the act- actresses slash one actor who played the the Derry girls are in their early to mid twenties, but Nicola Coughlin, who plays Claire, is 32. And it really re-emphasizes to me wow. how how great this cast is that they're able to have <laughs> to portray, like, because they do it brilliantly. They're, I actually, yeah. when I started looking this up, I thought, well, I'm sure they're just 16 to 18. There's no way they, they pull it off so naturally. Um, but no, they're, they're just, like, it's a really talented cast that makes this so successful, in my opinion. No, absolutely. And and like you said, it's it's a lot of those little details that you've mentioned, like the fact that Orla is often facing the the wrong way and stuff and you can tell uh, like it's it's probably the actresses and actors who are coming up with little tidbits like mm-hmm. that. I, I I reckon. Like that would be my suspicion is they're sort of going onto the scene and and you know the the girl who plays Orla was just sort of thinking, "You know what I'm going to do? Like this seems very Orla." Um, <laughs> yeah totally or just like oh, i'm gonna be fidgeting and distracted over here in this way during this scene and it's just like, it, it gives it yeah. that life even when the attention isn't on them I, I feel like all of the characters feel in character all the time so it's mm. always a good sign of, of good acting yeah yeah totally um i'm glad you enjoyed this show elliot i thought it would be a bit of a weird one but i, I love it so much that i just and it's so like honestly it's so not known it, and it needs to be more known no. because it's so good yeah. No, this is a great media MD thing because I, I loved this and I agree that like it's everyone seems to have missed it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, uh, to to put a number on on everything we've been talking about, like uh, not not to copy last week, but or last fortnight, but I'm I'm gonna go ahead and give it a nine. Um, Shameless rip off of my number last week. <laughs> uh, I I yeah, I really enjoyed this. Again, I think my main criticism that I would level is. There's only twelve episodes. Yeah. Um, Damn those British British TV. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I think although in saying that that was kind of an asset because as I said I got to kind of watch half of it again a second time and I actually think I appreciated season one a lot more the second time around. So uh, if you're someone else who like gets into it into the second season or late first season, like once you're done, I'd actually suggest going back and rewatching the start of season one because mm. I think you appreciate it much more once you're already into it. Yeah, there have still been jokes that I've only just started picking up on in my third watch, just or just like little moments of character dynamics that are so much more funny to me the deeper the understanding of the characters I have is. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's Derry Girls. If you haven't watched it yet, please go do. I don't know. I told yeah. you to already earlier on in this episode. So if you <laughs> haven't and you got up to this point, I'm ashamed. I'm, sh- I'm ashamed of you. <laughs> that feels a bit uh, harsh. Yeah, I, mean, I take it back. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're doing yourself a disservice because it's it's definitely worth watching. Um, and now to talk about what we're going to be doing over the next fortnight. Mm. Um, those of you who listen to Deep Impact will have already sort of heard that, that Ruben and I are both going away for uh, a week uh, during the next two weeks. 
and and so that means uh, I tried to find something that we could try and watch together because because we'll be in the same city for once. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I have brought Neil Breen's Twisted Pair as something that we can do as a movie night together while we're both down in Melbourne. Mm. Now, uh, neither of us have seen this movie yet, right? But no, so this is a slight. It's a I'm slight format cheating. Break. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of cheating here, but uh, I have seen other Neil Breen films. Um, yes. In fact, I watched most of them with you. Yes, I think we've watched a fair amount of them together. Um, Fateful Findings was Neil Breen's movie that really broke out. Uh, I, should mm. we get into this that much? I, I don't know. I mean, we'll get into it next episode, yeah. presumably. Uh, I mean, I guess for for those of you who might want to try and watch the movie over the next two weeks to join us. Um, at the end who haven't seen any neil breen movies before we should just briefly explain what yeah. he is yeah um, what actually, he I... is that's yeah <laughs> i mean i was gonna say who he is but also what he is is important um <laughs> I mean... he's a he's an architect that lives in los angeles and with the money that he makes oh, off of or Ve- uh, vegas vegas maybe vegas. vegas no you're right it is vegas um, with the money he makes off of being a relatively successful architect he funds his passion which is Direct writing, directing, and starring in films. Um, and he just has a gift for making unintelligible films, I think is the best way to describe it. Um, he's, he's honestly, like, his understanding of film is so incredibly bad that it swings right back around to being fantastic. He, like, I've honestly, I've greatly enjoyed every single one of his films that I've seen. Um, mm. I don't think I've understood a second of any of them. Yes, um, they are quite unintelligible. They they are, I think, the peak of the so bad that it's good film genre. Um, I would agree, yeah. and and that means that they, you know, all the usual trappings of these films is true, where they work a lot better if you're in a group and if you have some alcohol as a movie night, um, because there are things in his films that will leave you baffled. <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Um, um what what I might. Link, because I think this was how we discovered it back when we were in America. Was the uh, your movie sucks mm. uh, on? I think it was on Fateful Findings. Yes, uh, and that that was what got us to try it out. And I think it's a really good summary of what you can expect from these movies. Which just, and and you know the the YouTube video intermingles bits of the the movie, which really give you a sense of visually what you're in for. Mm. Um, yeah, a, a lot of uh, I I think this is quite well known to the. Uh, bad film space that exists, you know, YouTube and, and podcasts mm. and such. Um, Neil Breen as a concept, I guess. Um, yeah, he's a... Yeah, I, I don't know how to put it. Like, and, and I think maybe this is something we can grapple with next episode. The concept of a so bad it's good film is one that kind of does leave me a little bit uneasy, but with, with people like Neil Breen or um, Tommy Wiseau, who are kind of larger-than-life characters... I kind of you kind of get a pass on it, I think, because they <laughs> they they are so wholeheartedly throwing their work themselves into this work, and it's it just ends up being so confusing. Uh, mm. I think we'll say more about it next episode, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I will just say, uh, interestingly, I when I sat down to to sort of prep for this, I wanted to double check which of his so Twisted Pair is his fifth film, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. Yep. And I went to have a look and see which of the other four I had seen with you, because this, this was all a few years ago for me. Yep. I honestly have no idea. I read the <laughs> plot synopses for the four movies. And so, first of all, it it's it's two movies that he did twice, 
like, like the, the plots of the first and third and the plots of the second and the fourth are so similar i honestly have no idea i know i've seen at least two of them yeah but i do not know if i've seen the first and third or the f- second and fourth it's, I, uh, yes i think we've seen i know i've seen faithful findings we watched together we also watched okay. double down is that one of them I think that's what it's called. Yeah. And um, uh, Pass Through was the other movie that I think we have seen together. Okay. I mean, I'll have to take your word for it. Again, I read the descriptions and I don't... (laughs) Yes, they're pretty insane. Um, One of the things that Neil Breen loves to do is the characters that he always plays are, like, elevated so far beyond the level of regular mortals um, that it's hard not to see that he is trying to say something about himself in the characters that he writes for himself. Um, <laughs> the one where he comes in and he's like, he's got all the Jesus imagery, but then yep. he was wearing a motherboard on his yep. chest. Techno Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a pass through. That's a good time. Um, yeah. Anyway, we'll talk about this more next episode. I think it's, it's going to be a fun time. If you've never seen a Neil Breen movie, I would, I would at least check out like the trailer for pass through. It'll give you all the information you need to know. That's pass through spelt. P-A-S-S-T-H-R-U, so you can find it. Yeah, yes. Uh, and, and of course, if, if you like the look of it and you're in for a So Bad It's Good movie, uh, try and watch Twisted Pair over the next two mm. weeks as well. Um, it's available for purchase on Neil Breen's website, and, I mean, good luck to you. <laughs> it was a process. <laughs> yes. I, I managed, I've managed to order a copy, but, uh, oh, he doesn't make it easy. No, he... he, he... Needs to spend some of his money hiring some web developers, I suspect. But that's a separate point. Um, that's our that's our episode. If you do check out, uh, if you do check out Twisted Pair, please leave us your thoughts. Uh, the best place to do that is by sending us an email, which is mediamdpodcast at gmail dot com. Uh, yes, and you know, if you want to help us out, you know, keep MediaMD around. Mm-hmm. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia, and that's where you can support. Uh, MediaMD, as well as all the other great shows on the Do For Media Network. Yep, uh, such as Deep in Pact, our other show that we do, where we talk about Pact very deeply. We dive very deep into it, um, hence the name. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, yeah, and I mean, you know, it's probably best if you're only just thinking about jumping into Deep in Pact, I, I, I go back to the start. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a jump in anywhere kind of podcast yes. or story. I mean, you could you could just read Pact and then jump into wherever we are, I suppose. Yep, that works. Um, yeah, to find links to all the things we just talked about, you can go to doofmedia.com. That has links to contact us, to check out all the other great shows, as well as you can find all of the clues for the Media MD ARG. You can help us figure out just who is Dr. MD and why do Protestants hate ABBA? Elliot, why don't you tell the listeners this fortnight's clue? Plastic wrap. Plastic wrap. And we'll see you next fortnight.